Warning. This episode contains description of violence. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Connections. Welcome to Connect with Purpose. I'm your host, Mina. This is the podcast where I tell you what it's like living life with disabilities. In addition to that, I also occasionally investigate true crime cases that have to do with disability and mental health. Hungry Like the Wolf would be the last thing three innocent children would hear before their lives would forever change. Imagine driving down a dark road with your kids in the car. You're playing their favorite song and you're having a good time. When all of a sudden, a bushy-haired stranger comes out of nowhere and tries to flag you down, would you keep driving or would you get out of the car to see what he wanted? Diane Downs, the woman in question, decides to get out of her car. She quickly realizes that the bushy-haired stranger had more sinister intentions. He demanded to get her car, and when she refused, he reached in and shot her three children. As her three children laid in the back seat, in agony, choking on their own blood, Diane gets back into her car and continues driving. She wraps a towel around her arm in hopes to stop the bleeding and drives straight to the hospital. When she gets there, she immediately starts honking her horn frantically, trying to get hospital staff to come outside to help her. When they do, they quickly realize that the situation is worse than they had seen that night. In fact, It was worse than they had seen in a long time. Diane tries to explain to them what happens, but questions soon arise. Is her story the real story, or is the truth more sinister? Elizabeth Diane Downs, who I will refer to as just Diane, since that is what I noticed was done in most of the news clippings and articles and things like that. So, Diane had a difficult past. She seemed to have a strict upbringing and maybe even possible abuse allegations against her parents, especially her father. She was married but that didn't last. She did have three children. And on the surface, it seemed that Diane was a good mom, that she loved her kids and that she would do anything for them. It seemed she spent time with them and it seemed she cared. But on a deeper level, it wasn't so rosy. 
there were signs that Diane had some troubles of her own and maybe a little bit of mental illness as well. She came off on one hand as a great person, someone you could trust. In fact, at one point, she even was a surrogate mother and she was quoted as saying that she just wanted to do something good. She said that she was good at making babies and why not share that with a couple who couldn't have a baby of their own. She was of course paid for her services, but she said that's not why she did it. She did it to help. Now doesn't that sound nice? Well, turns out Diane maybe wasn't as nice as she wanted people to believe. After her failed marriage, she had an affair with a married man. It seemed that she was quite obsessed with this man and that she loved him in her own special way. She soon realized that he didn't want her anymore, that he wanted to go back to his wife. She said that part of the reason he left was because he just didn't want children. She said something to the effect of that her children are no trouble and that they're very independent, but it just wasn't for him. She wrote in her diaries about this and it seemed like it troubled her very much because she didn't want to lose this man and she would do anything to keep him. seemed that for those that knew Diane well, for those that were close to her, such as her children and her ex-husband for example, knew that Diane's mood could change very rapidly. She would be happy and then angry and then even violent at times. It was said by her ex-husband that there was a time where she threatened to kill herself by using a gun. He heard a shot while she was in the bathroom and he rushed to her aid only to find that she was just fine and there was a bullet in the bathroom floor. She smiled at him and pointed the gun at him. Luckily she didn't shoot him and no one was injured but this must have been a frightening experience and from what I could tell and find out in my research her children were close by, so I'm sure this was scary for them as well. On that fateful night in 1983, when she arrived at the hospital, things took a turn for the worse. At first, police and hospital staff believed her story, but this wouldn't last long. Hospital staff and police quickly thought about the things she said and her own wounds. And 
began to question the story that she told them. It was quite peculiar, they thought, that her children were so fatally wounded and that she only had a bullet wound in her arm and that she had time to carefully wrap a towel around it. In fact, the towel became a big part of the evidence later on in court. It was shown the pattern of the blood that the towel was wrapped very neatly and carefully. Not something that they thought someone would do trying to get their children to the hospital after a stranger had shot them. At first, Diane gained the sympathy of the public, the reporters had interviewed her. Everyone was outraged and hoped that the bushy-haired stranger would be caught so that he wouldn't do this to another family. But even this didn't last long. People started questioning her intentions and if she was being truthful. I watched some of the interviews of her and listened to what people had to say about the way she behaved. And it seemed that she often smiled and laughed. Now, her defense, she said, that she laughed when she wanted to cry. She said that when she was a child, she wasn't allowed to cry. So often in nervousness or sadness, she laughed or smiled. Now, while there is some truth to that, sometimes people laugh or smile when they don't know how to react or when they're nervous or they don't know what to do. But with Diane, it just seemed different. She was said to have a cold look in her eyes at all times. There was no emotion when she talked about her children. She even went as far as saying things like, if I had shot my own children, wouldn't I have done better? I would have done it correctly and if I wanted them dead, they would have been. So that's a little suspicious as well. The police were soon on to her and she was arrested. Unfortunately, and very sadly, her middle daughter did not survive the gunshot wounds. It was said later that she was trying to escape the car and she had managed to get the door open. And as she tried to get out, she was shot a second time. It turned out that her youngest, her son, would forever after this incident have a physical disability and would need a wheelchair. Her oldest also survived and for a while she could not speak. She had, I believe, a stroke on her side and after this she had trouble using her arm. Although she was able to speak after a while, she would, she too would have forever lasting injuries and disabilities. And this is why I'm covering this case because 
if it wasn't for Diane shooting her children. Her kids wouldn't have had these disabilities to deal with. They wouldn't have had the trauma of knowing that their mother wanted them dead. This was apparent to police. And they worked very hard with her oldest daughter to see if she had any memories of what happened. Therapists worked with her, the police worked with her, and she became the star witness in court later on. Diane would deny this the entire time, of course. She always said that she was innocent. In every interview, she always denied being the shooter. But the evidence was just piling on. Another key evidence was the diaries that she had kept where she wrote about her obsession with her married lover. And it was said later that he felt very guilty because he felt somewhat responsible for the death of one of her children and the injuries and disabilities that her other's children had after the shooting. He knew and her ex-husband knew that she had the 22 that was shown later was used to shoot the children as well as Diane. She tried to deny this as well, of course, but there was enough evidence. She, I believe, even tried to rewrite her diaries in a way that painted a much different picture of her relationship with her lover. But it was too late. The police had the originals, where it was very clear that her children seemed to be in her way of getting what she wanted. And that was her lover. But in the end, he decided that he wanted to be with his wife, and he told her everything. She ended up forgiving him. And whether that is right or not is not for us to decide. But what can be said for him is that he tried to come forward and tell the police everything that he knew. He even said for the months that he was with Diane, he couldn't think straight. She had him in a trance, it seemed, and it was difficult for him to get out. But he did finally break it off with her, and that made everything spiral out of control for Diane. Later, she was diagnosed with different personality disorders, and it explained, perhaps, somewhat of why she acted the way she did. The cold stare in her eyes in interviews, the uncomfortable smiling, and then, of course, there was the reenactment of what happened that the police recorded. In the video, I actually watched it. They have it available. Um, so if you guys want to look it up and watch it, you can see it. Because it's in all like news clippings and things like that. But in the video, she is shown with a you know, model car and she's trying to explain to the police exactly what happened and what the stranger did and what she did and what happened with her kids. 
but it is very awkward because in the video she's laughing and she looks like she's even enjoying herself. At one point, she hits her arm that was in a cast from the bullet wounds and she yells out in pain and then laughs and then says, this is worse than, and then catches herself. Now, police believe that what she wanted to say was something along the lines of, this is worse than the real thing. Now, of course, we'll never know 100% sure what Diane really wanted to say, but if you watch the tape, it is very obvious or plausible that that is what she wanted to say. She just ended up catching herself at the last second. Another thing that was very peculiar was that it was said when Diane went to see her oldest in the hospital, her heart rate went up and she seemed frightened of her mother. Now at that time, the child couldn't speak and wouldn't say anything, but she didn't need to speak to convey that she was afraid. After therapists and police worked with her enough, she started talking again and she let them know at one point that her mother was the one that shot them all. There was no bushy-haired stranger. That was just a story that her mother made up to take away the blame from her. She even testified against her mother in court. Now another thing that seems very, very, very peculiar about Diane is that in court they played hungry like a wolf because this was part of the evidence as well. She said this tape was playing as she was driving down the road when the shooting happened. She said it was her kid's favorite song. And when the tape played in the courtroom, Diane was seen smiling, beating her fingers on the table to the beat, moving her legs to the beat. And they found this to be very strange because if most people this would have happened to, that song would probably be very triggering to them. But instead, Diane seemed to enjoy the song more than ever. Now, one might think that this would be an open and shut case, but unfortunately, it wasn't. Some of the evidence was just circumstantial, and it took them time to find the 22 that was used to shoot her children. I believe they did find it in her possession, even though she told them she didn't own guns. But all of that took time. Another problem was that Diane kept changing her story. In fact, at one time, she tried to say that the bushy-haired stranger wasn't a stranger at all and that she knew who shot her children. But she didn't tell the police. She said something to the effect of, I know who shot them, I know who did it, and I'm leaving. I don't need to sit here anymore. Bye! And she left, leaving the police behind baffled. But fortunately, they did gather enough evidence to convict her. 
and she did have a trial, of course. But even during the trial, the plot just thickens, and this case becomes more complicated. At one point, she managed to escape from prison, and she was found down the road, shacking up with a husband of one of her cellmates. A while after that, she was found to be pregnant. That's right, she got pregnant when she was supposed to be locked up in jail. But her one escape attempt was all it took. She was seen feeling happy to be pregnant, and she used it to her advantage. Now, luckily, it didn't work well, and she was still convicted of her crimes. I will say the one thing I was upset to hear is that she did have the possibility of parole, which I don't think she deserved. But one good came out of it is that the child that she was pregnant with during her trial, she did give birth to this baby in prison, I believe, but they took the baby from her and made sure that the baby had a loving family that took care of her. It was even shown that this child, when she became an adult, reached out to her mother and had some good conversations through letters with her at first, but then soon realized that her mother seemed unstable and just started sending sending her nothing but rants about how she's innocent and how the police framed her and how none of this is her fault and that she shouldn't listen to anyone who said that she did it. If I remember correctly during my research, it said that this, her daughter, her youngest, stopped communicating with her and just didn't want anything else to do with her. Now the other silver lining of this all is that the two surviving children of Diane Downs were adopted by the attorney that prosecuted her. Him and his wife adopted them and it seemed like they had a good life after that. Of course I'm sure they had a lot to deal with still and a lot of healing to do, but it seemed that they got the support that they so desperately deserved and needed. This made me happy to hear. I just wish they wouldn't have had to go through all of that and lose their sister in the process, all due to her mother's selfishness. While I am a very understanding person when it comes to mental health, and I understand that Diane didn't have a great upbringing, she had a lot of obstacles in her way, I understand that, but it should have never come to her shooting her children. There would have been a better way. I know that there would have been, and I'm sure most people would agree. And my heart goes out to her daughter that was lost and that passed away. And my heart goes out to her surviving children that have to always deal with the fact that her mother tried to kill them. But, like I said, I am very happy to hear that they were adopted by someone who took care of them. 
someone who loved them and tried to give them the best of life. And I'm hoping that they were able to heal and live life to the fullest. I'm sure they'll never forget what happened, but I just hope for them that life became easier. During my research, I also found that Diane to this day still denies that she was the shooter, even though it turned out even her own daughter spoke against her. She tried to say that they put her daughter up to it and brainwashed her, but the way her daughter speaks about it doesn't seem that way. It seems genuine, and it seems to be very painful for her to admit what her mother did. I watched a parole hearing of hers, and she, as she has gotten older, it seems that she comes up with more and more conspiracy theories about what really happened and that the police knew what happened and just tried to blame her and she says something about that her, the lawyer who prosecuted her realized that she was innocent but didn't do anything or something along those lines it's very hard to keep track of her stories and what she has to say from one day to the next so you know Sometimes she even comes across as somewhat believable, but in the end, you know that she just trying to blame someone else and not take responsibility for her own actions. As far as I know, she's still in prison to this day. Why Diane Downs? decided to attempt to murder all three of her children with the song Hungry Like a Wolf playing in the background, we will never know. But it is my assumption that it was done with at least some purpose, because it seemed that she was hungry like a wolf to get what she wanted and to be selfish no matter the cost. This case was of course very difficult and hard to research, but I'm glad that I did, and I'm glad that I learned more about this case. This was of course a very highly publicized case back in the 80s, and I'm hoping that we can all take something and learn something from what happened. I would like to end this episode by leaving some resources that I hope will help if you are suffering through a child abuse situation or you know someone that is, you can visit childhelp.org where you can even live chat with someone or you can visit rain.org, that's R-A-I-N-N.org for further helpful resources. I have done my very best to use reliable resources while researching this case. This includes the book written by the true crime writer Anne Rule, Small Sacrifices, as well as actual news clips and interviews displaying Diane Downs and actual clips from her parole hearings. <laughs>